Welcome to Run Out Grooves. It's a sports podcast about music and a music podcast about sports. Let's get into it. And we are back. I am your least favorite lupine, Wolf Rambats, and I'm joined today by Dave Fonseca. How's everything going? How's it going, Wolf? On the pod today, we're going to match football quarterbacks to their music analogs. Finally, a podcast is doing the hard-hitting journalism of comparing Daniel Jones to the Spin Doctors. And then, as we do every pod, we'll also give you our recommendations for the week. You ready to do this one? Yeah, I'm ready, but one question. If Daniel Jones is the Spin Doctors, does that make Sam Darnold Blues Traveler? Uh, I, I guess we'll find out. Okay, let's take a quick break, and then we'll be back quicker than Aaron Donald to tackle quarterbacks. Want an inside look at the music industry? Join Corey, Curtis, Holly, and me, Aaliyah, as we interview music professionals and go over hot topics in the industry. Listen to C Squared on Spotify today and get the knowledge you need to market your music or just learn more about the artists you love. Are you ready for some football? As Run Out Grooves is a sports podcast about music and a music podcast about sports, we decided to make that tagline literal this week. We are finding the music analog for the top quarterbacks in the NFL. In the parlance of scouts, we are finding music comps. Music nerds, here's how we're going to get you into sports. As an example, former Patriots quarterback Drew Bledsoe was a solid quarterback who always threw picks in big situations and was eventually overtaken by his much more talented teammate. Clearly, in my mind, Drew Bledsoe is Art Garfunkel. That hurts. That hurts. As, a, <laughs> as someone whose first sports jersey was a number 11 Drew Bledsoe, that hurts my feelings. You know, but continue, please. <laughs> like, that, that's the mean way to go because, like, you know, Art is kind of an asshole. Like, I don't yeah. think Drew's an asshole. So, like, I guess the nice way is, like, I don't know, he's like Tommy Keen or something. But Oh, I was going to say Marty Jannetty. Okay. Okay, not, not Marty Jannetty, not the nicest guy either. So maybe let's just go. Let's just move on from this if we could. <laughs> All right, we'll be running through 10 quarterbacks I chose from Dave Richards of CBS's top three quarterback tiers for 2022. You can find a link to that piece in our liner notes. As a reminder, if you like this episode, let us know and we'll do a part two and run through the remainder of the QBs. You can, of course, email us at runoutgroovespod at gmail.com or leave us a voicemail at anchor.fm slash runoutgrooves. Okay, Dave. Omaha. Omaha. Eiffel 65. Blue, 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 blue. (laughs) Hike. Hike. Yeah. Our our first quarterback that we're going to find a musical comp for is going to be Josh Allen of the Buffalo Bills. Who is your musical comp for Josh Allen? So just to give you a sense of how I did these, these were less about how they play and more about their cultural impact. Because I feel like if we're trying to get people into sports, that's the best place to start. So for Josh Allen, I, my music comp was Thin Lizzy. And the reason why I chose Thin Lizzy is because, like Josh Allen, you had every reason to think that they sucked after they debuted. And yet, if you didn't quickly catch on to the fact that they were actually really awesome, then either you have no taste or you hate fun. So the idea here is Thin Lizzy's first couple albums, not that great. 
Josh Allen's first few seasons, not that great. But by the time they hit their stride early in their career, it was clear to everyone that they were very special. And the only people who were holding on to their early assessments were dorks. If you're projecting this this season, what album of Thin Lizzy's is Josh Allen's 2022 going to be? Okay, well, last season would have to be Jailbreak, you know? Okay. Um, because that was the one where everyone was like, oh, shit, this is a great quarterback. Just like we had to recognize that Thin Lizzy was a great band. Now, there might be a little bit of regression here, but I also think he'll like flesh out his game in some unexpected ways. So for that, I'm going to say this season is uh, Thunder and Lightning. So unfortunately for Buffalo Bills fans, n- not a lot of Josh Allen left. I'm not saying we have to go chronological. I'm not saying we're going chronological here. Okay, I don't, I don't think Josh Allen's going to die after this season. I, I just think I just think it, it might strip things down a little bit, but still bring the hammer. That's what I'm trying to say. Okay, okay, I like it. So I tried to go easy on this one to kind of you know not not dive right in and go ultra crazy. I was thinking about it, you know, Josh Allen. Buffalo Bills probably should pick a Buffalo band. So I'm thinking that Josh Allen, as of right now, is the Goo Goo Dolls circa Superstar <laughs> Car Wash. Okay. Like, uh, <laughs> like Boy Named Goo is going to be this this upcoming season, so that's going to be the breakout. Okay. He's probably going to have an iris at some point, so that's his MVP year okay. whenever that happens. Okay. I don't think it's going to be this year, but I think it's going to be down the line. Unfortunately for Josh Allen, he's also going to like have like the Kate plus eight haircut at some point. So <laughs> sorry, but you know, these are just how the, uh, the musical comps are going to work. But I was really thinking about it and like, I don't know if this is totally accurate or not. Thinking about the last time that we saw Josh Allen yeah. uh, playing a competitive football game, he loses in a shootout to Patty Mahomes, yeah. right? That great, uh, what was it divisional series? That was the divisional series, yeah, because they would go on to play, uh, Chiefs would go on to play Bengals in the AFC Championship game. Right, right, right. So one of the greatest playoff games of all time. Yeah. An incredible overtime win for the Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah. So Buffalo loses that one. So I'm thinking that Josh Allen is faith from the faith void split. (laughs) Okay, you have to... Explain what the hell you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> so possibly the greatest hardcore punk split of all time. Two great bands from the Washington, D.C. area appear on it. You have Faith and you have Void. No one talks about Faith's side of that split. Fair, it's all about fair. Void. Void totally bodies Faith, even though I think the Faith side is really good. This is another example of, we mentioned Marty Jannetty earlier, but this is another example of like, two guys working together and one definitely gets like drop kicked to the plate glass window. <laughs> Even though I think like, I haven't gone back and watched that game since it happened, but I think that Josh Allen might've played Patrick Mahomes. In that oh, game. definitely. Like the only reason that we had the result that we did was because the overtime rules suck. Yeah. Yeah. All right. We're off to a, we're off to a suitably weird start on this. I'm excited. <laughs> All right, let's move on. We'll have Justin Herbert of, the Los Angeles Chargers. That's still weird to say, the Los Angeles yeah. Chargers, but yeah. give, me, give me your comp. Okay, so my comp here is the Rolling Stones. Hear me out. Again, this has nothing to do with the music or the style of play. This is all about their place in the culture. The reason why I think Justin Herbert is like the Rolling Stones is just like the Stones, the 65, Herbert is the next big thing who we may end up remembering less for his actual production than for the abuse he receives at the hands of crappy management. Yes, I am comparing Dean Spanos to Alan Klein. 
I love it. Yeah. Um, what do we know about Justin Herbert besides that he has a cannon? The one story I remember about Justin Herbert is the pre-draft evaluations basically saying he was too nice and too quiet to be like a leader on a football team. So like the only thing I've ever read about him is that he's boring. That's all I know. So he's definitely not a Keith Richards <laughs> in that respect. The, the reason I chose the Rolling Stones comp is because I think this guy is about to have the prime years of his life destroyed by crappy management. So my comp is going to be a weird one again. The only thing that I really know about Justin Herbert, besides that he's going to be very good this year because that's where he's ranked by everybody in the QB yeah. rankings. Had a great season last year, threw over 5,000 yards. I still know nothing about him. He plays in the same stadium as the Los Angeles Rams. That's right. So the other team in your building blows up and your team sucks. Therefore, Justin Herbert is death cab for cutie. <laughs> okay, I like this one. Break this one down. So <laughs> I think when history looks back on Ben Gibbard, the only band that they're going to remember him for is going to be the Postal Service. Mm-hmm. Like that album was just inescapable when that yeah. came out. In the early 2000s. And I don't think anyone thinks about his other band, Death Camp for Cutie, which also sucks, <laughs> but is obviously not as popular as the Postal right. Service, which right. definitely sucks. <laughs> so basically, the, the comp here is that just like Ben Gibbard sort of like shared two bands, SoFi shares two teams, and we're only going to remember one of them, and it's not going to be Justin Herbert's team. Yep. Fair enough. All right. Uh, Patrick Mahomes. Quarterback for Kansas City Chiefs. What you got? Okay. For this one, I have pop sensation, Nicki Minaj. Because she is a superstar who wishes we spent more time focusing on her talent and less time acknowledging the existence of her sibling. Yeah. You know, you take the vaccine, your nutsack blows up to the size of beach balls. You know, what can you do? (laughs) Uh, Yeah. um, Obviously, the crimes of Patrick Mahomes... um, brother not as severe as that of Minaj's brother but uh in both cases just a couple people we'd like to move on from I went I went a similar direction with this one so think about Patty Mahomes you won the big one can I ask you a question real quick yeah yeah does anybody else call him Patty Mahomes but you (laughs) I I think I think I'm (laughs) it okay all right because I wanted to make sure I didn't miss something because if we're calling him Patty I'm going to call him Patty too it's like it's like me and like Drew McGarry right yeah. Okay. All right. So Patty Mahomes, tell me. Yeah. Patty Mahomes. Yeah. What's your comp for Patty Mahomes? Is he, yeah. might, you know, just made me think of Patty Mayonnaise from Doug. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, uh, next time, listeners, we'll do the, the, the quarterbacks to Nickelodeon cartoons of the 90s. <laughs> That'll be a yeah. barn burner for I, sure. I got, I got 10 minutes on Skeeter Kelsey that I'm just ready to drop. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Sorry. What's your comp? All right. So Patty Mahomes, you won the big one. You're extremely t- skilled, like, and everyone in the world seems to love you and hate your wife. Mm. Therefore, Patty Mahomes is John Lennon, Plastic Ono Band. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. So this, does this mean like 35 years from now, everyone's going to be talking about how actually Patrick Mahomes' wife was really cool and we, we missed out on all her great artistic contributions because we weren't paying close enough attention. Yep. Okay, so I'm well then I am I eagerly await the Brittany Mahomes reevaluation. <laughs> get her get her get her collected TikToks re-released on vinyl. Yeah. $75. All right, let's move on. 
Uh, Lamar Jackson, quarterback for the Baltimore Ravens. What you got? Okay, so I had a couple thoughts on this one. And my first thought was to say Beyonce, because like Beyonce, I really try to avoid the Lamar discourse because I don't like being screamed at by insane people on the internet. Uh, But in terms of something that actually speaks to his style of play, I'd say he's somebody like Bob Dylan, because uh, in both cases, you're just robbing yourself of enjoyment if you focus too closely on what that person can't do. So like, if, if you're the kind of person who says Lamar Jackson will never win a Super Bowl because he has a hard time like moving through his progressions, blah, blah, blah. To me, that's kind of like, well, I don't listen to Bob Dylan because he can't sing. Well, I think in both cases, it's kind of not the point. I think if you focus too narrowly on someone who has like this great vast array of gifts and you're hyper-focusing on one thing that they're not conventional with, I think that is the thief of joy to a certain extent. I really struggled with a good comp for where Lamar Jackson is. And mine is kind of a downer, but we're going to go with it anyway. So Lamar Jackson... Ultra talented. Keith Buckley. Jeff Buckley. <laughs> Jeff Buckley. <laughs> Both are downers. Both are downers. <laughs> Please, Lamar Jackson, stay away from all rivers. Um, <laughs> yeah, so Lamar Jackson, ultra talented, dynamic QB, uh, still not respected because racism, but might be damaged goods after an incredible start to his career. So I said Lamar Jackson is bad brains circa rise. Interesting. Okay. Okay. Again, I need you to, I need you to lay this down. For the novices. Yeah. So like you have your extremely classic album, which is like Lamar's rookie season where it just like comes out and crushes and it's like, like, Oh my God, like this is the the QB of the future. And then the thing that happens to ultra mobile QBs is that, you know, he might be supremely injured a la Robert Griffin, the third. Got it. And it might be all downhill from here. Like we're just going to have to see what happens this year. Like, I hope not. This is actually, I I like this one because I had a, I had a backup comp as um, Joe Flacco as Ian McKay. So (laughs) (laughs) pretty well. Yeah. Yeah. But like bad brains, but yeah, yeah, bad brains rise. It's like their first, like truly bad album. Like two of the bad brains are no longer there, (laughs) including like possibly like one of the most recognizable. (laughs) You know, what's interesting about that is like every prediction about something sucking is proved correct on a long enough timeline. And so that's why doing a victory lap when somebody falls off, I think is like one of the lowest forms of art evaluation. Most bands only have a handful of great albums in them. Most athletes only have a handful of great seasons. So if you just are riding the this sucks train, eventually you're going to get to the destination. But that doesn't mean you were right from the second you started saying it. It's just that everything ends up sucking in the end. The way that athletes become truly great is that their aptitude for the game eventually catches up to their athleticism in their fifth or sixth year in the league. And when those things coincide, that's when they start doing really special things. And if Lamar Jackson is injured to the point where his ever-increasing aptitude can't coincide with his peak athleticism, he might not have the prime that his biggest fans had hoped for. But that doesn't mean that his haters were right. It just means that their haters guessed right, honestly. Or they were early. They were early to the arrival of Lamar Jackson sucking because everyone ends up sucking. All right, let's move down here. Uh, Tom Brady, good old TB12 of the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He's back again. Yeah. What's your comp? My comp for Tom Brady was you too. 
because in both cases, it seems like they made a deal with the devil in which they would be incredibly successful for way longer than they had any right to be. But instead of selling their soul, the devil made them weird in a way that wasn't particularly endearing to anybody. Tom Brady, you know, probably the greatest quarterback of all time. Incredible endurance. Does anybody like him? Does anybody think Tom Brady is a cool guy? Anyone want to spend a weekend at Tom Brady's compound? I don't know if there's been a great athlete that's had such a void of charisma. Um, and, I, and that's, how I, that's how I feel about, I mean, listen, you know, I, I don't love U2's music, but I recognize that they are a canonical band that had a great run of success and had number ones across decades. That's really rare. And so props to them for that. But does anybody, anybody really think U2 is cool? That is the great feat of, I would say, Tom Brady and Bono's lives is that they, is that they were just so culturally dominant and yet never once considered cool. So this season for Tom Brady, like, where is this on the U2 continuum? Is this like U2 pushing an album out to everyone's iPhone? I was, I was going to say his, uh, his um, surprise comeback is like waking up uh, and seeing a U2 song in your iTunes playlist that you didn't download. So for Tom Brady, my comp is that thinking just about where he is now, like you're super successful, but now you're a weird fucking dork. And you're old. (laughs) I'm sorry. (laughs) So I kind of went for I kind of went for a bizarre universe one here. In in a different universe where Elvis turns into a health nut. That's Tom Brady. Okay. All right. So Tom Brady is healthy Elvis. Yeah, healthy Elvis. Okay. Which is ironic because, you know, the Patriots logo, uh, we, we call it Flying Elvis and, in, in, you know, around, around the parts I grew up in. Am I, being, am I, am I off by, in my assessment that, that Brady's not cool? I don't find him. I've never found him cool. But maybe I'm, maybe I'm not seeing something. Maybe like, I, I mean, if you have like a MAGA hat, you think he's cool. I think he looks like a real housewife. You know, I, 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 to me, he just, he, he looks like he's been through like, I think he's, I imagine an aging photo of, Chad Pennington in his basement, you know, while he maintains the, like his youthful looks. He just seems a little soulless to me. Do you think Peyton Manning is cool now? Hmm. He's cool in the way that like people in the TikTok era like to video, like take videos of their grandfather eating breakfast and being like, damn, Poppy's going in on his eggs. 400,000 <laughs> likes, you know? <laughs> I do think Peyton Manning is funny. I mean, when he hosted SNL, that sketch where he's just like whipping footballs at Pee Wee football player. Like he, I do think he was funny, but I don't. I mean, he's cool only in the ironic sense of cool, where like people are used for content that they don't quite get. But no, I don't think Peyton Manning is cool. <laughs> oh boy! All right, let's move on. Uh, Kyler Murray, Arizona quarterback. Dave, what you got? Okay, so I struggled with this one, and I kind of uh, landed in a weird, but I think appropriate spot. I think Kyle Murray is that guy, Tim Henson from the band Polyphia. Okay. Um, the, the, the twinkle shred band. Yeah. 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 And I say this because in both cases we're talking, you know, once in a lifetime talents, but they're not really admired or beloved by fans as you think they'd be because we're seeing such a huge glut of talent at their respective positions right now. So like if Kyle Murray came along in 1997, it would be like nothing anybody had ever seen before. Like this dual sport athlete, who can, who can like has a cannon of an arm. He can shred a defense on his feet. He'd be like, he's like an advanced version of Michael Vick. 
But we've just seen that so much now that he's not being celebrated on the merit of his talent alone. And the same thing goes for this Tim Henson guy who is an insanely gifted uh, guitar shredder. Uh, but it's just sort of like a dime a dozen at this point. Like there's so many of these guys that the idea of the famous shredder is sort of passe. And I think it kind of shows that in music and in sports, like people don't care about shredding. They care about memorable songs and in sports, the same talent doesn't ingratiate you to fans as much as, you know, winning does. Okay. So mine is kind of, I don't know. I don't know if you're going to like this one, but let's go with it. So Kyler Murray, you excel at something else, but baseball is always going to be in your bio. Mm-hmm. So Kyler Murray is Charlie Pride. <laughs> okay. Okay. All right. Let's hear it. I mean, Charlie Pride played minor league baseball, better known as like one of the better country music singers of all time, but still in every single bio I read of Charlie Pride in that first couple lines is, hey, also played minor league baseball. Like, well, cool, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> also had a bunch of cool songs. Yeah, yeah. Kurt Russell is that way too, kind of. You know, played some minor league baseball. It's got to gotta keep it in like, you know, top paragraph of his, of his Wikipedia entry. Do you, think, uh, do you think Jack McDowell feels that way? You know, he was, he was a major league baseball player who also had a band. And do you, do you think he wishes that like the band was the top of his Wikipedia entry and the baseball came second? I mean, I think it's that way for everybody, right? Yeah. Like, like Russell Crowe definitely thinks like 10,000 odd foot of grunt or whatever that stupid yeah. band is. Like, <laughs> yeah, 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 he yeah. wants that to be the top line. Like, Bruce Willis wants whatever his band to be the yeah. top line. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Grass is always greener. Yep. Yeah. I mean, we had in the, in the, in the 2000s, we had the cliche, like sports writers love to point out that, you know, rappers want to be athletes and athletes want to be rappers. But, in the 90s, it was all about like actors who wanted to be like roots rockers and roots rockers who wanted to play baseball. That feels like 500,000 years ago now. All right, but- let's, let's move ahead here. Uh, for the Philadelphia Eagles, the quarterback, maybe the, the most Philadelphia Eagles quarterback name of all time, Jalen Hurts. Is that a reference to the chips? Jalen Hurts? <laughs> I'm just thinking that like if you play all the pain he's gonna endure in the yeah, season. <laughs> yeah, if you play, you know, if you play for the Eagles, you're gonna get hurt at some point. Okay. That's just okay. how the past, I don't know, five decades have gone. Yeah, so history uh, tends to suggest that Jalen will indeed hurts. Yeah. So Jalen, I can, imagine, can you imagine if like uh if, if Boomer Siason was a big like alt rock fan and he was still calling games and he like Jalen Hurts broke out, you know, a run for an end run, he's like Jalen, everybody hurts heading into the end zone. <laughs> Don't throw your hands up, folks. He's already past you. Ah, <laughs> uh, all right. What you got? Uh, I don't have REM. I have I have Lemmy. Uh, and here's why: because Jalen getting benched at Alabama is like Lemmy getting kicked out of Hawkwind. And just like Motorhead went on to easily outshine Hawkwind, I think Jalen Hurts is going to have a much better pro career than the guy he was benched for to uh, Tagovailoa. Nobody remembers the bass player for Hawkwind, but they all remember Lemmy. And no one's going to remember Tua, but they're going to remember Jalen Hurts. That's my assertion. I'm, I'm in on Jalen Hurts this year. Wow, shots fired at Tua, huh? Not a big Tua guy. Not a big Tua guy. Yeah, well, I guess we'll see what he does. But this we'll year. see what he does with that new offense, with that new coach, Mike McDaniel. You might uh, get some cool stuff going in Miami. But I, I think you know, I, 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 I do think Jalen. Sorry, we're getting into an actual sports take now. 
I like Jalen Hurts a lot. I think for him to bounce back from getting benched like that and like keeping his head on his shoulders and having, you know, I'd say a, above replacement level showing in his first real season as a quarterback, I think it's pretty impressive. I do like Jalen Hurts. I also like Jalen Hurts, but I think he's in an, an impossible situation. And with it being Philly, you know, it's a rabid fan base that's going to turn on him immediately if he does anything wrong. Mm-hmm. So I said that Jalen Hurts is buckethead in Guns N' Roses. Interesting. Interesting. So, like, he, was, he is like someone who's in a crazy, intense media bubble with over-obsessed fans who are eager to, like for lack of a better term, like cancel him the second he makes a mistake. Yes. The year that the Eagles won the Super Bowl is their appetite for destruction. Mm -hmm. And everything that's followed has played out roughly where GNR's (laughs) career went, I think. Okay. Okay. The the scenario that we've laid out here makes me think almost more like like a a K-pop band where being a quarterback for the Philadelphia Eagles is like being an idol in one of these massive groups where your whole life is lived under a microscope and the fan, it's hard to like distinguish if the fans love or would to kill you because the obsession is so intense. So yeah, I, I imagine like Jalen hurts, you know, being one of the members of like BTS or something like one false move and it's over. Jalen, uh, congratulations on being in Big Bang. I'm sorry, but you now have to do 10 years of compulsory military service. (laughs) (laughs) You got a girlfriend? Not anymore. (laughs) All right. Uh, Let's go ahead and do who I thought was the hardest person to find a a comp for. For the Denver Broncos, their new quarterback, Russell Wilson. Dave, who do you have? Okay. So do you remember when let Russ cook was a thing? Yeah. You know, so every season uh, commentators would say, you know, I'm so sick and tired of how Russell uh, Wilson is being constrained by his playbook. And I want him to just like be free and easy and just do what he wants to do. Play a little jazz out there like Patrick Mahomes, you know, like stop trying to just play it so safe and doing what you know, and do something unexpected. So then last year, Russ got to bring in his own handpicked offensive coordinator. And that and they let him cook and he kind of sucked now, partly because Russ didn't have it anymore. Who knows? Or maybe because he's just was injured. Who knows? But the guardrails were gone and the results weren't there. So I tried to think of an artist who was ridiculed for trying way too hard to please mainstream audiences and that did something way worse when they were allowed to just cook. And so the comp I had was Metallica on Lulu. Oh, no. Oh, ooh. So, yeah, like, it, so is this, is this Russ's Lulu season? I think last season was Russ's Lulu season. I think last season was his Lulu season. I think because there was, because he was given all the freedom that we thought he would use to make something classic with, and instead just went off the rails. And that's what happened to Metallica on Lulu. We thought, we thought if we gave, if, if Metallica regained their artistic freedom, they would make something classic. And instead they just did something incomprehensible. And that's kind of how I felt about Russ's last season. Okay. I mean, give, give Broncos fans some hope here. Like, is this year going to be like death magnetic? No, I think, I think Broncos can look forward to like a hardwired to self-destruct. Do you know what I mean? Like, okay, got that out of my system. I know it works for me now. 
we're going to do some run, run pass. And it may not be the most exciting thing in the world, but I think we can at least get back to slightly above replacement level by doing that. Uh, going by that logic, Russell Wilson is going to play both halves of the season because it's a double album and there's only going to be one good game. Got it. <laughs> Noted. Uh, much in this, much in the same way, I truly believe that Metallica needs to get back with, uh, with, with, with Bob Rock to make at least a, a, not if not a classic album, at least a representative album. You know, maybe we need to get you know 2015 Pete Carroll. What, what, can we get some Adrenochrome in Pete Carroll so he can bring, turn back the clock to 2015? Yeah, interesting. Is is Bob Rock also a 9/11 truther? <laughs> Did you have you heard the story? I mean, I've obviously heard the story because you're referencing it. But for those who haven't story, heard the story, Wolf is referring to the fact that uh, Pete Carroll would bring in army generals to talk to the team and give them you know some inspiring, uplifting information about how to work together in the darkest of hours to, to pull victory out of the jaws of defeat. And Pete Carroll just ended up asking the guy, you know, for as much evidence as he had that 9-11 was indeed an inside job. So this guy would be like, you know, when I was, uh, we were, we were in the, in the depths of Tehran trying to, you know, take out a high level assets. Like he's like, yeah, hey, that, hey man, that's all great. That's great. But you know, what do you think the melting point of, uh, of, of steel is? Because I, 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 I'm just not, I'm just not buying it. <laughs> Football is so stupid. <laughs> America's game. Uh, all right. Let me let me do my Russell Wilson copier. Okay. I I I had a ton of trouble with this one. Yeah. It was really hard to dial Russ Wilson in. He's an impenetrable guy. Well, so when I think of Russ, I think of him being in like an irredeemable cheese ball mm-hmm. with like youth pastor energy. Yeah. What uh, Dwight Howard is to the NBA, yeah. Russ Wilson is to the NFL to me. So, like, who is an irredeemable cheese ball in music? So, I thought, what about logic? Lou Reed. Oh, okay. <laughs> logic. I like that. <laughs> I like that comparison. Yeah, I think that's. I think that's a fair comp for Russ. But the modifier with Russ is that he is also certifiably insane. So we need an irredeemable cheese ball who is also insane. I think we only have one choice here. Russell Wilson is Will Smith. I forgot that Will Smith was a, has a has a canon of rap music. That's that, that, that I, if I had thought of that, this would have been my choice too. That's so perfect. All right, let's let's move on. Um, Joe Burrow for the Cincinnati Bengals. I think we have the same answer here. Can yeah. we just can say we just can we stay on three? Yeah. yeah. One, two. Three, Jack Harry Harlow. Styles. Whoa, oh, Harry Styles. I, I almost said Jack Harlow. Oh man! All right, give me give me the justification for Harry Styles on this one. Well, I mean, the, it's as simple as I like Harry Styles. I, I think he makes you know decent pop music. I like Joe Burrow. I think he's a, a good quarterback. If if I never read another story about their wardrobe again, I'll be perfectly happy. You know, let let Harry Styles keep making you know his McCartney two type albums, and. If he wants to act too, that's fine. But, you know, I have no problem with the kid. I don't care about how he dresses. And the same thing with Joe Burrow. He's a good quarterback. I like him. I don't, I don't need to have the pregame feature on his outfit every fucking week. I'm good. I'm good. Twice was enough. Okay. I think he's Jack Harlow because last year's run was the guest spot on the Little Nas X song. Mm-hmm. And then this year when he's going to drop his album, it's going to be not good. I don't think they're going to make the playoffs. So boom, yeah. there you go. 
it can all go terribly wrong for Joe Burrow at any time. I hope, I hope it doesn't. I actually do like, I mean, he's another example of someone who came over some pretty intense obstacles early in his career, you know, had a transfer schools, shows up at LSU is actually great. You know, the town seems to love him there. I like the way he plays. I mean, he also doesn't have a great arm, but still somehow manages to be a highly productive quarterback. That's all great. But you're keying in on something with the Jack Harlow comparison that I was also thinking of as well, which is, yeah, you know, we see you, Joe Burrow. <laughs> all right. Last one for this set. This, this one is, I think this is going to be a minefield, but let's have fun with it anyway. Yeah. Uh, Aaron Rodgers for the Green Bay Packers. What you got? I mean, it's got to be Mustaine, right? Okay. Yeah, yep. you know, it's got the impressive longevity, but he'll always come in second place when they discuss the greatest center position of all time. You know, I mean, Megadeth had a ride shotgun to Metallica. Aaron Rodgers is riding shotgun to, to Tom Brady. And, you know, I mean, listen, there's a reason they were both recently guests on the Joe Rogan experience, you know? <laughs> and, I, it's, you know, you know, as Ringo would say, peace and love, peace and love. But, you know, I, I think it's, it, this one was the easiest one. Yeah. So I, when I think of Aaron Rodgers, I think about this, this guy who is like once respected, but has since turned into like a total loony shitbag. And like, when we think of the Aaron Rodgers of like the Mina Kimes profile mm-hmm. seemed like a decent person. Yeah. Turns out not a good person. <laughs> so the, the musical comp that I have for this one, I'm going to do one that's going to be mainstream and one that's kind of obscure, but they okay. kind of both, hit the same ends. So my mainstream one is Aaron Rodgers is Eric Clapton. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. The other way you did you go over this, that's another mainstream one is like Van Morrison. Yeah. Yeah. But it's like, it's like same shades of the, you know, same thing. There's a great Van Morrison line um, that one of the guys on the word in your ear podcast had, which is like, there's two types of people, people who love Van Morrison, people who know Van Morrison. <laughs> <laughs> and I feel like that might be the case. Uh, yeah. If, if, if Aaron Rodgers is Van Morrison, I'd like this to be his last dance year where he just has a big rock of Coke, just like sticking out his nose the entire season. <laughs> that could be a way to win the fan fact, you know? <laughs> yeah. So my more obscure musical comfort Aaron Rodgers is going to be John Schaefer of iced earth. Okay. Where yeah. was Aaron Rodgers on January 6th? uh let me give you let me give you one more as a teaser for a a, a potential part two if people want it okay i'm springing this one on you but i think this might be an interesting one who do you have for kirk cousins of the minnesota vikings oh okay so let's before we do the comp maybe we can brainstorm but just profiling kirk okay so he's productive. If you were just to look at the stat line, you would say this is an elite quarterback or at least a top third quarterback. And it seems as though people all realize the numbers are lying. But beyond that, no one seems to like Kirk Cousins. He seems to be one of the most disliked players in the league, despite the fact, much like his stats seem to say that he's a top level quarterback, his outward affects seem to suggest he's a totally likable guy. So what's going on behind the scenes with Kirk Cousins? What's the deeper story? So who is someone in the music world who by all sort of like front-facing metrics would seem to be someone that we all love, yet everyone agrees we're not a fan of? I'll get my Brian Windhorst fingers out now. Now, (laughs) who could that be? (laughs) Who is an artist that we all should love 
but don't. Who could that be, Wolf Rampus? I got, I got, I got one for you, but I want to, I want to play this thread out. Based off the criteria that you gave me, mm-hmm. Kirk Cousins is the Black Eyed Peas. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Because, because uh, the idea of that comp is that the charts, are, the chart numbers are there, and there, I mean, there's just no reason that you would look at someone like Fergie or Will I Am or Apple D App and not say these seem like totally pleasant people. And yet nobody loves the black eyed peas. I will say for the record that early black eyed peas is like really good. Yeah, so okay. I'll, I'll put that, I'll put, I'll put that out there. So like Kirk cousins in Washington was, was better than he gets credit for. Oh, you like that. You like that. <laughs> <laughs> what I'm thinking when I think of Kirk cousins, I think of like a milk toast Christian who is so norm core that he's actually bizarre as hell. Mike Posner. Interesting. Interesting. So I was thinking Carmen of CCM fame. You're going to have to, <laughs> you're going to have, you're going to have to explain this one to the audience <laughs> and me. I, I will, I will splice in uh, a classic Carmen rap <laughs> into this section. Just so you hear the, the brilliance of Carmen. Sorry to everyone that had to grow up on Christian music <laughs> that I'm dragging them through this again, but here you go. I got the deafest, freshest tale to tell on how Christ saved my soul from hell. We're stepping on the scene, one y'all know. We're going back 2,000 years ago. The disciples were... Okay, can I give, can I give you one more comp? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Not a quarterback, but a coach. Who is Belichick? Uh, Belichick is, uh, Brian Wilson, psychiatrist. <laughs> I was going to say his dad. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I think, I think we've, <laughs> I think we beat this into the ground more than defensive ends beat Emma Smith in the ground that season. He played for the Arizona Cardinals. So. Oh, wow. Brutal, brutal. What a pull. All right. Let's call it there. Um, if you want a part two of this, definitely uh, hit us up uh, via our email address. We're out groovespod at gmail.com. Let's go ahead and take a quick break and then we'll be back with recommendations. Let's do it. Yes. It's last. Hey, this is your least favorite lupine, Wolf Rambats, and I'm here with Stephen Davis, Stevenson Davison. How you doing, man? Doing great. Hey, so uh, we got a podcast called the Plague Rages Podcast. It is a heavy metal podcast for two heavy metal writers talk about music. And uh, Steve, Dave, like, what kind of shenanigans do we get up to? Oh, you know, we like wax poetic about our sad dating lives. Did you have any, any other hobbies other than listening to metal? Jim B, bad news, bad news. <laughs> <laughs> Talk about what our new favorite tracks are. I have no shame saying this, that End of Time is on my list of dumbest songs that have almost made me cry. Oh, dude, Future Cars. <laughs> we revisit albums that we think maybe deserve a second chance. I've been regretting this ever. Like, <laughs> Yeah, all that good stuff. So if uh, you'd like to check that out, you can hear us at plaguerages.substack.com. All right, and we are back with recommendations. Okay, so Dave, I was thinking a lot about our conversation last week about the perils of demystifying music. One of the more mysterious parts of my collection is Rhythm Method's So Many Shadows. I wrote about the unknown band about a year ago for my short-lived blog within a blog, Your Least Favorite Lupine. Here's what I wrote. 
way, way back in the early 2010 Blogspot days, everyone was racing to upload their rare wax to Mega Upload for, I don't know, the culture? <laughs> it wasn't rewarding, and yet true nerds performed the service. All of that has since been undone by Spotify, because why would you need crate excavators like Prog Not Frog when you can lead a dull existence delegating your taste to the AI? Rhythm Method recorded two new wavy post-punky songs for Flux in 1984. Both are like if modern English had Gang of Four type bass. Uh, those tracks got packaged onto a flexi with Funhouse, a band that I don't think is the same Funhouse from Sweden, something that I'm pointing out for no other reason than to get the nerds off my back. <laughs> Pretty unspecific, but that's all the information I have on it after downloading it from the post-punk 80s underground years ago. I almost don't want to know more, like the spell will be broken if I suss out the who's and what's. And yeah, you bet, the spell Rhythm Method cast on me is enthrallment. Can't say that spell has landed on anyone else. So Many Shadows is a song I recommend to nearly everyone, yet no one cares. I have tried. Boy, have I tried. I was even responsible for uploading it to YouTube eight years ago. 734 views since. It's less viral than a Lawrence Welk playlist made in a clean room. Welp, here's one more shot. To what extent do you think the fact that these songs remain somewhat shrouded in mystery to you adds to the allure? Yeah, I think there's something to that where... This song is more personal to me just through the method of how I acquired it. Right, right, where, right. That's, what I'm, try- that's yeah. what I'm trying to key on. It's like the, the, there are still moments even now where you can have a, a, a unique relationship with how you found something, not just an algorithm feeding it to you. Yeah, yeah. It just feels more human. Like you think of what it took to get this to me. Like somebody had to buy this in the 80s. Like it survived uh, their parents cleaning out the room when they went to college. And then they had this in like some dusty corner of their attic and they pull it out and then they rip it to their computer and then they throw it up on their, their blog. And then I come along and download it. Like it, it went through so many human hands to get to me where something like, uh, like discover weekly, just like, uh, so the, the computer thinks I want more stuff like super chunk. Like, I guess cool. Thanks. Yeah. Maybe like maybe right. the hit rate on the ladder is higher, but like, right. Where's the humanity? No, I remember um, back in like the early 2010s, LA radio stations would have like disco nights. And I remember hearing the uh, Italian disco group pineapples uh, and they played that song. Come on closer. I don't know if you've heard that song before, yeah. but yeah. And I was just like, Whoa, Whoa. It was, it was like the first time in a long time I had been hit like a ton of bricks by a song on the radio. And because of that, that, that song feels like very, very special to me just because of the way I heard it, the context that I heard it in. Like driving my car down the LA freeway at night, radio just happened to be on because I didn't feel like grabbing a CD out of the visor. And I actually heard something I liked. And I'll, I'll just never forget hearing that song. I think I hold that song closer because of that. I mean, I just like, obviously this makes me sound like absolutely like obsolete and old as hell, but like, I just don't want to be a pigeon in a Skinner box. Yeah. No, I agree. I mean, I, I, I was listening to somebody the other day talk about this is a this is a writer who has a Substack, and he was saying, you know, he has an audience of people who are a lot of like Silicon Valley people, and they prefer to listen to his articles read at one point five speed, so they can absorb the information faster and move on with their day. 
And I found that so baffling, the need to optimize every aspect of your life, even reading. I know that reading a book and listening to music are different experiences, but at the end of the day, they're things that you spend time with. And it's not just the information that you put through your head that's important. It's the experience you have with it. Optimizing reading and optimizing music fandom seems very dark to me. I agree. I think, you know, to, to close up this section, at the end of the day, you're going to die. Dave, what's your recommendation this week? <laughs> I'm going to add one more point on this, if I may. This, is, this, 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 uh, this, this book ends well with my every athlete ends up sucking argument that I made <laughs> earlier in the podcast. But this is why podcasts are important, people, because you don't need algorithms telling you what to listen to. You need middle-aged white guys <laughs> telling you what to listen to. Well, Wolf, we may be in the midst of a world historic heat wave in our neck of the woods right now, but as far as my local Starbucks and my wife are concerned, fall is here. In the Fonseca household, we are speedrunning September to the point that the topic of hanging Christmas lights was broached in earnest this past weekend. This means as much as I may want to hold on to the dying days of summer, it's time to start updating my playlists. So goodbye to summer staples like Steely Dan and The Grateful Dead, and hello to Jan Janssen's 1964 masterpiece, Jazz Pa Zvenska. For the uninitiated, the object of this album is simple. Reinterpret Swedish folk music through the lens of improvisational jazz. I have three arguments in favor of everybody adding this to their fall-slash-winter rotation. Number one, I have never once played this album for somebody who didn't immediately fall in love with it. So that's a good one. Number two, it evokes the sounds of the seasons masterfully. These sparse, folk-based arrangements for piano and double bass seem to beg for the accompaniment of crackling fire and quiet conversation. And number three, finally, it helped me understand what jazz music was. See, when I first heard this album, I was confused as to how it could even be fairly categorized as jazz. It was too welcoming, too soundly structured to fit into a genre that was supposed to be challenging by nature. At least that's what I thought. But of course, just because jazz can be challenging doesn't mean it has to be. Sometimes, like on Jazz Pazvenska, it can be as simple as two musicians taking a classic folk tune and using some standard jazz conventions to improvise around the edges. We can save the conversation about what those conventions are and how to best employ them for another time. For now, I will simply say that Jazz Pazvenska may actually be an example of an album that demystifies a genre in a way that enriches my enjoyment rather than subtracts from it. I love this recommendation. This is a, this is a great one. I also think that this is like a good way to get into jazz is not Dave Brubeck. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and it's like, I was going to say the closest comp I have is probably Vince Giraldi, which is, you know, an album that everybody knows. It's the algorithm is definitely going to feed it to you. If you're, you know, if you're like Christmas morning and you want like Christmas music, it's, it's going to be one of the songs that's in your playlist. But I think this is, you know, no disrespect to Brubeck or Giraldi. I think this is just a different look. And I do think it, the simplicity of the premise, you just take a folk song, you kind of run through it, and then you iterate on it, iterate on it, and you harmonize it, and you reharmonize it. It's just like a very good introduction to what jazz music does. Because I think 
you know, as jazz has kind of fallen out of popularity over the last decades, I do think it's become mystified in the minds of a lot of people. Like if people were to describe what jazz music was, I don't think they'd have a, an easy explanation for it. But I think it is a fairly easy to describe genre. It's just a chart full of chords that artists improvise over and add harmonic flourishes to. I mean, it can go in a million different directions, and that's why it has. And it's despite losing popularity, it's still growing and changing as an art form. But I don't think maybe I'm off on this, but I don't. I think if like there was some more gateway albums that people had access to, people wouldn't have as hard of a time understanding what jazz music was. I I should qualify that I I really love Dave Brubeck, but I can't listen to Take Five yeah. without thinking that somebody's gifting me a Lexus outside. Right, right, so right, right. I got I got what you're saying, man. I I know that you don't. I mean, you're not you're not throwing shade. Okay, Dave. Uh, where can people find you, and what else is going on? Wolf, folks can find me on Twitter at Dave Fawns, and they can follow my band Ancient Enemy on Instagram at ancientenemy.rise. And you can find me on Twitter at wrambats. You can also read my heavy metal writing and listen to my heavy metal podcast, the Plague Rages podcast at plaguerages.substack.com. All right, that is it for us. Our theme song is Welcome by New Sweet Breath. You can find that banger on its 1996 full-length Demolition Theater. You can find more of Greg Markle's amazing music at gregmarklemusic.com. You can subscribe to Run Out Grooves on your podcatcher of choice. Leave us a rating and review, please. If you like us, share us around. If you'd like to drop us a line, you can email us at runoutgroovespod at gmail.com. For Dave Fonseca, this is Wolf Rambats signing off. Goodbye. Yeah, yeah, yeah.